audio gyan with kedar nimkar a podcast that documents insightful conversations with indian designers artists musicians writers thinkers and creatives of all types catch us on itunes or visit audiogyan.com for more gyan sessions here's your host kedar nimkar today i have uday atwankar with us on audio gyan uday atwankar is a professor in idc iit mumbai and is on the advisory board for several international research journals he has been committed to education and research on design and design related consulting for over 30 years uday sir has written many papers on product semantics and communication and role of mental and design process as well as design education uh it's a real honor to have you on audio gyan thank you sir for giving us your time and welcome to the show uh thanks for calling me i think uh, it's a good opportunity for me to talk about what uh, uh, i would like to on the whole topic of design yeah yeah sure so we'll be like uh, there are bunch of things to be discussed but i have tried and kept our topic very close to role of design in society in general so the first thing uh, which i want to ask you is uh, which is like we'll set the premise to this entire conversation also ki okay, what is the role of design in the society i mean how, can you tell us uh, how a well designed system can impact our lives okay let's take this question in two parts first mm-hmm. is the role of design mm-hmm. then we'll look at its impact separately mm-hmm. the reason is uh, the word design itself doesn't have a very clear definition you know it has such vast scope mm-hmm. uh, right from person who does rangoli to a person who is designing a car both of them are designing mm-hmm. so if you want to look at design as a profession hmm. then its role can be defined in many ways first to improve quality of life and living mm-hmm. that's the primary goal of every design okay. but then you find that everything doesn't fit into that for instance rangoli doesn't improve the quality of life mm-hmm. so the second thing that's important about design is that uh, it brings in new experiences okay okay so rangoli is an experience or you know even going to a restaurant is now an experience okay mm. so it brings new experiences it also extends human capabilities you know a simple example is this camera is considered as an extension of eyes mm. a hammer is considered as an extension of a hand mm. they get you to perform better than what you can do without them so okay. every product sort of adds capability to human beings mm-hmm. okay uh there are new roles that designers are taking up now mm. and that is uh, because of digital and non digital kind of uh, areas for instance building communities was never a part of design but with digital media being there mm. that has become a principal task you know so you build a community through which you can support uh, human life mm-hmm. one simple example of that is facebook yeah so there could be social communities there could be purposeful communities so you can build that communities also that could be also virtual as well as personal yeah, life correct yeah and yeah and sometimes the virtual can lead to a real life correct so, okay uh besides that uh, the complexity of design is changing over a period now it's not what it used to be you expected to deliver value you expect to improve the quality of life hmm. but at the same time you want to make the product sustainable mm-hmm. 
Mm. This sustainable issues have come into uh, play in the last 20 years mm. and they're becoming more and more important. Mm. So uh, if I improve a quality of life, but my work or my product is not sustainable mm. and it is actually creating a lot of waste or it's using material that cannot be recycled, then it's not good design. Okay. So these are generally accepted as the roles of design. Mm. Looks like a very broad definition. No, it's broader. Yeah, it's broader yeah. than this. Oh, okay. Look at India for that matter. Hmm. Okay. A role of design in India is to do all this, but then it will get restricted to only people who purchase products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a large number of economically weaker sections of uh, population hmm. to whom design can definitely serve if you look at it differently. And this is exactly what we're trying to do in my institution. Uh, one of them is, can you create jobs using design or can you create livelihoods using design? Okay. And I'll give you examples as we go along how this kind of thing can be done. So this is unique to developing countries mm. where design should take more responsibility than what it is expected in most of the Western and advanced countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, your second question was about impact. Correct. Yeah. Uh, again, I'll divide this into two, the tech-based product, the impact of tech-based product, and the second one is the impact of the traditional non-tech-based product. They've been quite different. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, traditionally you had simple machines like washing machine, mm-hmm. or you may have a mixer grinder and all that. It primarily makes life a lot more convenient for a housewife. Mm-hmm. It removes drudgery and it saves her time. Mm-hmm. Correct. So it does improve her quality of life. It makes life, uh, it makes uh, work more pleasure, pleasurable. But uh, this is, uh, we are now going far beyond when the digital economies have started coming in. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, if you look at banks, for that matter, you know, there used to be long queues before and you stand there and you go to the counter, give you a check and the person will cash or sometimes the check is sent back for verification, bring it back. Whole process used to be an event, Mm -hmm. going to a bank. Correct. Uh, What has ATM done? And you just simply cut that. Okay. All that you got to do is insert a card, put a password and you know or a pin code and you get your money. Besides that you get it twenty-four by seven. So it adds to the quality of life, removes drudgery through a very different means than the way traditional product is. Uh, interestingly going to a bank can be an event for people who have time. You know, for instance, we were working at ATM, we looked at uh, some of the old senior citizens who go to bank mm. and you ask them, you know, do you like to come to bank? Why don't you use ATM? Mm. They said, no, but this is where we meet people. <laughs> yeah? mm. So the point that I'm trying to make is that when you improve the quality of life, it's not for everybody, but a large number of people. Mm. There will always be some people who would probably not get included because the requirements are different. Correct. Okay. Uh, I can give you another example of this. You know, for instance, uh, you look at uh, ATM, mm. you find that it changed the life and the way people handle money. Mm. Earlier, if you want to go travel, first thing you do is to go withdraw money, make sure that the bank is open, go take a bulk of cash and travel. Okay. 
people don't bother to do that anymore and it is never safe to do that either mm. so all that they do is to make sure that they have balance in the bank mm. so they can go anywhere and withdraw that money correct so they don't want to carry it yeah okay we found this by accident in the sense that the fantastic advantage that this gives you by accident when we were working on atm design we met a hawker mm. okay he he was a panwala you know he was mm-hmm. uh, bitter not uh, 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 selling uh, he would work till about 9 930 and the days earning he had a problem how do i carry it in the second class train compartment mm-hmm. when i go home correct you no know, it's quite likely that somebody might pickpocket him and say his worries are very uh, understandable and valid yeah so what he did is he got one of his gawalas to explain him hmm. how atm works hmm. every night after he closes his business hmm. whatever that he needs for next day or at home he keeps that money with him and rest of it he puts into atm hmm. so for him atm is like a safe mm-hmm. you know instead of keeping it in safe he is keeping it in atm and which is a very valid and interesting way of looking at thing so many times though you may design it for dispensing money mm. people may appropriate that product and use it in the way they benefit correct so finally they are improving their quality of life mm. by exploiting what the product can offer and which is many many times more than what designer has ever intended mm-hmm. so now there are issues for instance uh, when you designed an atm the first thing we encountered is a lot of senior citizens felt that this is not for them mm. this is for young people because they're thinking they're floating cards and mm. you know go around and you know uh, it, it's it's a machine which we cannot handle so let's go to the counter mm. we had a situation where when we were studying we i gave my card to old lady she was the sort of maybe in her 70s or so mm. and we asked her to operate and say withdraw 500 rupees mm. and just explain the basic things about it she did it on her own and after that she was so surprised and the first thing she said i did not know it is so simple mm-hmm. i don't understand the queue anymore correct okay so many times there are this apprehension that machines are complicated to use and you know i have to learn something and all that which prevents people from using them mm-hmm. but once they know that this is easier then they very quickly adopt and five years later when we did a survey mm-hmm. most of the old people had atm cards mm-hmm. you know and they were very proud of it mm-hmm. in the younger people are not proud of it because everybody is expected to have I and mean, it's not a in thing to have an atm card mm-hmm. but for them there was they were very proud of it i have an atm card mm-hmm. interestingly products the way people relate to product also changes you know for instance we met one young girl i mean she must have been in her early 20s or so she said that I still preserve the receipt that I got, first receipt that I got from ATM when mm. I withdrew money. Oh, okay. Just to keep it as a memory. Mm-hmm. You know? So people many times f- fall almost in love with that product and try to preserve those memories. Mm-hmm. Provided the product is delightful and useful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen for every other product. No? Because nobody will have memories about dustbin. Mm. But they will have memories about things which are very pleasant. Yeah. 
Now, in design, you try to create some of these things deliberately, saying, okay, this is something which I want people to remember. So you create the kind of interactions that are required in order that the person is happy about it, mm. delighted about it, and remembers that. Mm. So besides the functional use of the product, there is also a psychological use of the product which keeps kind of balancing with each other. Okay. So these are two very important things. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to give you an example now, digital banking came. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, a lot of people found it a little cumbersome to go into you know a computer and try to kind of uh, either transfer money or make payments and all that. Mm-hmm. But those who crossed that border mm-hmm. and knew that they can do it, mm-hmm. are very happy with it because they don't have to go to bank. Mm-hmm. Just ask somebody what was the last time you went to bank, and people say maybe six months. That means they don't even remember Correct. what it is. So this is this is how a product and technologies can help people. How design can help people. Mm-hmm. Making that interface so simple that even an older person is able to transfer money or withdraw money from the bank or whatever mm-hmm. makes it a kind of not just a delightful experience for him but it removes the gen- the drudgery of going to the bank all the time Correct. of course he has all the options when he wants to go to the bank he can go to the bank but mm-hmm. he can also do it from home mm-hmm. and this is what we do now earlier you remember to pay uh, your monthly bill of MTNL you go stand in a queue Correct. somewhere yeah. Okay? Yeah. and you know it takes about uh, first is the travel then they go stand there and then pay the money and then now all that you got to do is to just transfer that money on the bank. So that's what's happening with all the billing. Mm. So it gave a lot of time to people because mm. these things could be done very fast. Mm. So this is how design and technology help people in their day-to-day life. And this is an impact that people have. Now I have that extra time, I can do whatever I like. I can waste it also, but that's up to an individual. Okay. But the fact that I made that time available itself is good. Correct, correct, correct. It's so interesting. In fact, that that like puts me in the next question, which I already thought of right now, is that uh, as you mentioned, people used to stand in the queue, and uh, I see still people standing uh, outside Dadar, where there's lot of big queues for paying the BST bill or some some things like that. Uh, so you built the Indian Post box. Uh, uh, or the low-cost ATM, and now you are also working on affordable housing. So I want to understand what is like the role of design, or uh, how do these design institutions um, come to like such grassroots level and try and make a difference in normal lives. Uh, there are two three things that one must notice. First is that you choose to work. For grassroots uh, innovations because you want to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't pay to be there. So if I'm a commercial designer, I would not find uh, returns on that by working there. So it's just a choice that people make. You know, it's like some people join NGOs rather than join corporate. Oh. So it's a choice that people make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nothing nothing in the country or a policy in the country encourages you to work for poor. Mm-hmm. That's one. Mm-hmm. The second thing is the reason what, why these things fascinated me is because to observe people adjusting to the life mm. 
gives you lots of ideas you know a lot of people have created their own ways convenient ways of solving a problem mm-hmm. which as a middle class person i could never have thought of mm-hmm. just example from atm okay not many people put money in atm you know they don't think uh, it's too, too complicated a process is there's too much of tension and things like that you know because it has a limited time and it has alarm mm-hmm. so people sort of you know avoid putting money into atm but it has i mean some of the machines have that capability they put it in an envelope and put it in mm. this hawker we were surprised when he says he puts money in the atm every day mm. so we asked him how he did it he had such simple and effective way of putting money with no tension whatsoever mm. all that he did is to perform a blank transaction got the envelope he prepares the entire envelope seals it goes to the bank puts this envelope and gets another blank envelope back for the next day. Uh-huh. It's so simple, yeah. right? Now, this could have been thought of by the designer himself, no? Mm-hmm. When he designed an ATM saying, people have this tension, why can't I do something by which, the, you know? Uh, but this doesn't occur to him because he says, no, no, people will learn. Mm-hmm. But the person who is not literate, a person who is poor, finds a way out of this and these ways are fantastic and all along even in affordable housing for that matter uh, we were working to find out uh, first is you know you can't really start working on affordable houses until you know how people live mm. okay and all of us know a little bit you know you cross to slum somewhere looked at somebody's house or things like that but that's not enough for design you need a in-depth understanding of how people so we decided to spend a lot of time trying to find out how people live we went and photographed their houses and uh, but we found that none of them wanted to talk to us mm. none of them wanted to talk to, to how they use their house and what delights them and things like that. they say that a lot of these educated people come study go and you know, nothing happens to our lives mm-hmm. so why should we talk to you oh is it I yeah, simple. like it would be embarrassed to do uh, no 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 not because of them they are very proud uh-huh. and fantastic things they do in their uh, slum which they are very very proud of mm-hmm. so we had first stumbling block was if you don't know how people live how do you re- design the thing Correct. so we created some interesting game like environments where they play with cards hmm. and we have beautiful stories coming up of what they do with their house hmm. one simple example of that is uh, they were given a blank uh, room set up and asked them to populate it with furniture hmm. most of the time a middle class will think about where he will receive guests where he will sleep and where will ch- children study and all mm. these families first decide where the tv should be <laughs> okay then with respect to the tv location they decide where the activities mm-hmm. which is something which a middle class will find difficult to understand yeah okay? there's no connect there's no connect so and we found we have huge number of insights of how people live you know mm. instance, the another one was you know everybody wanted an ex- entrance experience mm. you know this is something which is dif- difficult to decode so we asked them what he says people should know from outside that it is my house mm-hmm. even if he is economically weak mm. he wants his identity to be known mm. okay so and you can see that a lot of them on the, even in slums do a lot of decoration in their houses mm. and particularly on the uh, uh, on the entrance door okay. mainly to identify them as being different than their neighbors mm. yeah so we started getting very interesting insights then we looked at uh, you know 
we start with that idea these are slum dwellers mm-hmm. so they should be all same mm-hmm. okay this is the way policies are defined i mean government has a policy of giving sir 320 square feet or something like that mm-hmm. to everybody we found that there are different personas within slums mm-hmm. who need different things mm-hmm. we met a teller who was probably having the smallest house of 8 feet by probably 10 feet or something like that that's only one room he has mm. that that contains kitchen that contains bedroom that contains a shop mm. oh, wow. uh, he's the one who initially said that i don't have time i can't talk to you mm-hmm. when he start playing those games after 2 hours we have a video record after 2 hours he says shall we play more mm-hmm. <laughs> so he kept on telling his life stories how we came and what he did with his shop where was it before and all mm-hmm. so we got a lot of insights into how they live uh, he needed something which is close to some public transport system mm-hmm. close to a school so that he can send the children to school and also do his business from within mm-hmm. so he needed some corner or something like that mm-hmm. not any house but something that's visible from outside okay. and he says he kept on changing locations till he got a place where he has returns you know economic returns on mm-hmm. so his considerations were quite different than another person who's slightly better off mm-hmm. uh, financially uh, he wanted to make sure that his children have place to study Mm-hmm. so we gave them different names you know for instance different uh, kind of labels so there were uh, 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 these were settlers you know who ultimately would, have, would by the next generation they go into middle class mm-hmm. you know? because they made sure that entire money goes into children's education the children get educated they get married to uh, and they also get a job mm-hmm. okay Uh, while the tailor didn't have enough time to worry about what the children do they said you know they could let them go to school and then whatever happens happens then there are younger people who stay in some they have very different they are hedonist mm-hmm. they consume products which are flashy oh because they want to show wealth mm-hmm. we there was a situation where uh, there's a his room is completely full of glass tiles because it shines mm-hmm. and we won't use that no? mm-hmm. there was another lady she was a tailor she says i need a good bathroom and the word she uses jinchak bathroom mm-hmm. yeah? because when once i go i'll come back rest and think like that and she was a tailor and a fashion designer and things like so each each of these different personalities had their own aspirations of what a house should be yeah. unless we get these aspirations how would it design you know so a lot of time was spent in trying to understand that then we also realized that these houses have to be close to the place of work hmm. and the place of work for them is rich people you know because they serve them correct now that's where the land is the most expensive mm. because rich people stay in the land cost is almost uh, you know several times more than what you can go and stay in uh, distance of so we decided to look at this as a challenge how could we create affordable housing mm. in a costly land mm. and still allow the people to stay there and over a period expand to reach that 320 square feet that monastery but without any subsidy Mm-hmm. so that was a challenge that we took mm-hmm. the second challenge we took was uh, was interesting we 
I give a project to the student. This is a student project, mm. saying that a family of four mm. with two parents occasionally visiting mm. should stay in a room of ten feet by ten feet by twelve and a half feet. And that's because that's the FSI uh, uh, regulations, building regulations permit that to be hundred uh, square feet FSI. Mm. Now you give such odd kind of things. People first revolt, saying it's not possible. Okay. These students over a period struggled and made this possible. Mm-hmm. And they showed how the entire family can stay. And that is also that 100 square feet with a toilet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we realized that if you want to work on such projects, mm-hmm. then you need to create out-of-box questions. Mm-hmm. You know, the question we created is, what happens if house is sold not on the square you, you buy on a square feet no? I mean, mm, yeah. okay I have 500 square feet I have 550 square feet what happens if you sell it on volumes mm. saying that I have 5000 square feet uh, square cubic feet of uh, yeah. you will suddenly find that we waste a lot of space typically <laughs> okay. then you start using all the space on top you know this I can do this there I can do this because I paid for it mm-hmm. the second question we asked uh, was what happens and very strange question IKEA wants to enter this market you know IKEA is a company which caters to higher middle class Correct. Okay. what happens if it enters mm-hmm. so it gave us very interesting insights as to how you can create components which people will use to customize their house and create furniture and things like mm-hmm. So, to me, these challenges are not just design challenges, mm. but also a serious challenges that a society needs to face. You know? mm. How do we cater to this particular thing? Because, you know, whatever you do, you know, even if you give free houses the way government gives, mm. over a period, newer people will come in, the slums will co- continue to exist. And there's no political system that prevents slums from coming. Mm. So, these are... St- so, when you said that how it helps people... My suggestion or my uh, answer, uh, answer to, to that would be it not only helps people but it helps designers because mm. they get very unusual challenges. And realistic constraints as well. Constraints. Yeah. And these challenges are really something which you would not get if you work for rich people because there's enough money there. <laughs> yeah. so that's the... Interesting. I mean, this just broadens the entire uh, perspective of how like design is seen, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, in case, uh, can you also tell us uh, like some some case study about the post box which you did? What were the constraints and how did it come about? Okay, that uh, came from the government. Mm-hmm. They said we want a post box which can actually be emptied very fast. Okay. Somebody's fascination, and mm-hmm. in government there are a lot of people who have fascinations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was some secretary's fascination, saying we should be possible to very quickly. We studied that problem and realized that a postman who goes on a beat and mm-hmm. clears 13, 14, 15 post boxes, mm-hmm. if you save even one minute of it, it only saves only 14 minutes. That's mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Second is. Even in the current system where, you know, you uh, do it by hand, you know, you pick up a bunch of, uh, put them in the back, mm. it takes only one upon one thirty seconds, mm. okay, which is not really much. Mm. So even if you save something from that, it's not going to cost. But then this was a fascination of somebody. So we said, okay, we'll take that as a challenge. Mm. But 
our concern was not so much what government wanted and that's exactly what the designer uh, should look for mm. is our concern with the user you know what yeah. do users want who use the post box what do postmen who empty the post box what do they want mm. what does the postal system demand mm. and some very interesting data came out of it you know first data was that a lot of people in the old traditional post box where there is that cap and uh, you know on the head it used to kind of hurt people mm. that's one mm. and but one interesting thing you know a lot of people said i want to know when is the next clearance mm. Mm. immediate clearance you are writing saying it is being cleared at 3 o'clock but after that what happens because if i don't have time i must know when my uh, when my next post should come and you know correct uh, i should put that in the post box so that interesting information came out of it then a lot of people said that we sent our children to drop a post box which would mean that you need a post box where a children as well as grown ups can comfortably mail letters mm. without getting hurt mm. at that height also at that height you know so we needed studies about what is the correct height and what is the correct way of putting by which put uh, in because there is so much the height difference between the two mm. then we also realized uh, something interesting when we talk to the postal authorities mm. they say our concern is that post post uh, post boxes get burgled mm. and why do they get burgled not because anybody is interested in the mail mm. people are interested in the lock acha <laughs> the lock used to be a brass lock earlier mm. okay and that brass lock was made in aligarh and aligarh locks had good uh, resale values mm. so people will cut the lock and take it away and leave the thing there so that was a huge loss to the you know because every time you have to replace that with a new lock and thing so we thought we should be able to find a way by which a lock cannot be removed you know which is of course there in many other cupboards you know it's inside the main problem was they had is that in case he loses the key how do we have access to the mail inside because otherwise it will get delayed so we had to devise a system which is a kind of a secret way of opening that which others don't know so that you can still release that and the lock is still inside mm-hmm. so you can you can see uh, uh, if you look at it in 360 degrees the problem is very different than what you start with you started with something f- like fast clearance of the mail mm-hmm. but actually the problems were very different mm-hmm. i personally spent the my one round with the person who collects in fountain mm. and went around trying to kind of uh, understand his way of thinking and how he operates and interacts with the system. interacts with the system so after some time because you know hutatma chok is that way very crowded so the mail is because offices are there the mails are there. so it started becoming uh, you know heavier and heavier but he would still lift so mm. i asked him you know why don't you use a trolley mm. At that time trolley was not a very popular thing now it's a style but mm. it's not it wasn't there he said new hamal ka kaam hai so he had social status more important than the fact that he has to carry the weight with him so he would not mind carrying it on his shoulders mm. but not use a trolley at that time mm. now of course things have changed trolleys have a status so mm. people will be willing to do it mm. so a lot of functional and psychological issues are sort of meshed together mm. and if you want to design you need to kind of go into the depth of it to understand what governs mm. and that's what uh, i did with postbox and since then postbox was my first product in 70s mm. early 70s but i've been doing this all the time 
you know, the spending time with users, trying to understand what they need, what they aspire, and try to see how we can learn from that. Mm. And believe me, I've been doing this for f almost 45 years now. Mm. And there is no project in which people haven't surprised me. They will always come out with something which I could have never have thought about. Mm. So it actually design is a lot of learning mm. <laughs> as far as I'm no, concerned. Yeah, actually, that, like the, this this leads to my same question because uh, like a designer like me or uh, at least designers like me will have a very specific question in this context that uh, as you mentioned about um, uh, the postman being uh, what if he loses the key now the products which we design in the contemporary age of uh, media and digital things uh, we would consider that to be an edge case and actually override it and say like let's not bother about that but let's make someone someone's life better uh, at this stage and take it further and not think about this grassroots level so is this approach good uh, does uh, working at a grassroots level uh, like makes you account that use case also uh, actually i dispute with this basic statement that yeah, work, yeah. work for majority. Yeah. There's another me method which actually proposed that you work for extremes mm -hmm. and not for majority. Mm -hmm. Because what is good for extremes will also be good for majority. Mm -hmm. So we look at these extreme cases and try to see how I can solve that. But then the trade-off is that you don't get that polished products like Apple and like, right? Or no, no, no. I don't think any need to, in fact, you get better innovation if you look at extremes. I'm not saying necessarily poor people. Mm -hmm. If if you're designing a, uh, aid for handicapped, physically mm -hmm. handicapped, mm -hmm. then it's good to work with person who is severely affected and try to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. In the process, you also solve everybody else's problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and this is a recognized way of doing it, you know, to work for extremes. It's not my idea. Mm -hmm. You know, it is recognized as one of the methods is to look at extreme cases and work. Yeah, I think, yeah, this needs to be slightly dwelled upon because uh, I I have not been exposed to that kind of a school, uh, but I aspire to definitely. Uh, the next thing uh, which I wanted to ask you is uh, how do you identify which domain to invest uh, time and effort uh, while working on this grassroots or any, any uh, design system for that matter? Uh Again, there can be two separate answers. If I'm working on a commercial assignment, mm. then the deadline is given by the client. Mm. So you divide your time on the yeah. best way you can. Yeah. But personally, I've been spending at least 40 to 50% of time trying to understand user before I design. Mm. So even if it's not paid for, I will do it because my ideas will come from there. Mm. So it's required that I do that. But that doesn't mean everybody will necessarily do it. Mm. The second important consideration is what is the what is the client looking for or what is the company looking for which gives you a job. Mm. Many times designers would want to make substantial changes come out with a completely radically different idea. Mm. But the company may be looking for a small change, okay. saying, okay, this is working, it's mm. fine. But if you add this, it will work better or I'll have better sale or something mm. like that. So first thing I do is try and understand what is the degree of change that 
you are looking for mm-hmm. rather than you know venturing into innovation all the time mm-hmm. the like affordable housing i needed a needed to work radically differently you know needed a innovation there mm-hmm. but if i work on some other simple project then i won't look at that at all mm-hmm. i look at degree and then i have developed my own method of trying to figure out mm-hmm. you know because every client once they pay money they kind of expect that you will come out with an innovative product mm-hmm. but they will never market mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so the best thing is to try and understand what is it that he is looking for and i develop my own strategies for that mm-hmm. and then offer him to one that makes a small change the way he is looking for always the problem demands mm-hmm. and the second one is to show that you can also go here and create something new mm-hmm. in most cases he will appreciate the second but do the first <laughs> yeah that's yeah. the way it works yeah 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 and in case of non uh, commercial projects N- non commercial projects are interesting in fact i do a uh, uh, lot of these non commercial projects mm. then i said that look i am not taking money mm. so let me do what i want mm-hmm. <laughs> so i become an artist there you know saying that look i let me dream my own things mm-hmm. it's not that i'm going to come out with something which is not useful or anything like mm-hmm. that but i try to see that uh, you know i have the freedom it's like you know when you participate in design competition you have all the freedom and nobody yeah. tells you you know don't do this don't do that mm-hmm. so on a project which is non commercial i do that mm-hmm. your own constraints please yeah i yeah. put my own constraints i put my own uh, you know uh, aspirations there and say that let me mm-hmm. do that so what how do you pick that domain let uh, this needs some work to be done okay that requires a lot of experience you know once uh, if you uh, i think uh, let me take an example of games for yeah. that okay i realized that one point that games can be useful to teach mm. what teachers struggle to teach in the class mm. okay so i decided to try that out mm. and created games uh, which thought how fraction gets you know how to understand fraction and how to through a game mm. so there is no motivation required children play because they enjoy Correct. and in the process they learn and there there is i'll show you later on i'll kind of tell you about cases of how children actually learn mm. so this is one way of looking at it but then i was not very happy because most of the products which were bought by companies mm. were selling at 250 rupees 300 rupees 400 rupees and all that i said mm. this is making it inaccessible to most children mm. so we again you know your aspiration comes into picture how do i reach the bottom of the pyramid mm. so i gave a constraint in one one year saying that your product should not cost more than 15 to 20 rupees it's wow. a game mm. but it is to be 15 to 20 rupees and it will be sold in the train by hawkers you know mm. they come and sell this 20 rupees 25 rupees product you know interestingly no game suffered they were as good games as they were done with them but they found a way of saving money mm. so i thought why not push the envelope further so i said let's do zero cost game there is no cost at all Mm-hmm. and that also became possible you know uh, students came out with w- drawing something on the then playing with it and in the process you learn ar- arithmetic you learn clock you learn mm-hmm. but they started using the body you know children use their body to understand things mm-hmm. now this is an interesting possibility you know? so every time you push an envelope there's a lot that you learn you know? many times we think it's not possible but basically designer should be pushing envelopes all the time 
feels very unreal actually to come up with a zero cost game yeah but they're there in the uh, youtube mm-hmm. this zero cost game. yeah yeah cool uh i think i would like to conclude with one last uh, question which actually will try and summarize uh, whatever we have been speaking about uh, is what are your thoughts on like the future of education uh, design education in the country yeah. and yeah uh future of education is good and bleak both mm-hmm. uh design education is being highly sought after now mm. you know depend you can see the number of schools that open mm. you know now there are you know we started with two schools but now there are quite a few and each city has uh, schools now so apparently there is a demand mm. uh but at this point of time there is no control on any of them everybody wants to experiment something on his own and they're doing it mm. and this is not bad i'm not saying it's necessarily bad or anything and it's like obvious that. given it's, the, that's a, the because it's a new area so people are kind of uh, and there's no central authority which tells them what to do what not to do except the number of years kind hmm. of thing so people are experimenting i hope over a period things will stabilize into hmm. that but the bleak part of it hmm. is something which people don't realize that if you go to a private school which is what most of the new schools are you know they're not government schools mm. you pay enormous amount of fee mm. now if you pay that kind of a fee for 4 years mm. how will you work for ngos yeah there's no way you can do that yeah. yeah you would not be able to serve certain section of society because you already invested so much in education you would expect returns and this is exactly what has happened in medicine very true very yeah? true people pay to be doctors you know they private colleges and all that but when they come out they already have either a loan or his father is in in debt yeah yeah so they have to find a way to earn money mm. as quickly as possible and that's what will happen in design mm-hmm. that you would not i mean all this serving the weaker section and all that will go <laughs> you know, there's just no yeah. or you know government funded and government aided schools will do that and the rest of it will be done by rest something of that kind will happen mm. so i'm seriously worried about that fact mm. you know that you would never find a way of handling this mm. it yeah it sounds slightly um no, something to ponder on no? yeah yeah that's my feeling and we haven't i mean we looked at okay let's make it accessible make it easily available to large number of people mm. which is fine which is a good and desirable goal mm. but the cost associated with this will prevent some application from him. for instance any of this private school nobody will join suppose tomorrow government needs design nobody will do that because yeah. payments will not be there no? yeah yeah so this is the difficulty that people will face yeah and any thoughts on your thoughts on uh, uh, how can like the government or the society can uh, or the institutions itself can be designed in a certain way to avoid this to a certain extent obviously actually yes i have very very strong thoughts on this mm-hmm. first is education was never a business at mm-hmm. some at least 20 25 years ago it wasn't a business it was run by trust mm-hmm. a non-profit none of the schools were fancy mm-hmm. but they imparted education mm-hmm. the focus was education not the aura that built through buildings and things like that lot of fluff around yeah, yeah. 
that wasn't there now moment the private institutions started fighting with each other for better students and things like that mm. they had to create many other things you know they had to create a brand now people talk about brand and things like mm. that which is something which was never there mm. and was not required either you know mm. people i mean good schools were known because they were good schools and not because they had advertised more or things like mm. that so the only way to do is to get stop looking at education as Commodity. a private uh, enterprise mm. Mm. let the trust handle it but trust again i mean there are a lot of people who make notional trust and make money out of it but that's not what i mean mm. in the runner and there are some schools which have succeeded in doing that at least i am involved in one school design school mm. which has no fancy things mm-hmm. but great education mm-hmm. the people who are committed they work their hard they experiment and but don't uh, they don't have this style mm-hmm. so that's the future <laughs> i mean that should be the desirable future i don't know whether that will be the future yeah i hope these these words come true very soon uh, i am i'm very optimistic about this happening sometime down the line when there is lot of adharma happening but yeah let's see <laughs> so i think this is a good note to end this uh, it was wonderful talking to you got to learn a lot of things and uh, thank you once again for giving us your time okay thanks kedar yeah. it was a good opportunity for me to talk yeah and express my views also yeah cool that's it thank you And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher, or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on AudioGyan.com. Till then, bye.